Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It is the Custard TV podcast, the podcast with three TV obsessive to walk you through the TV that may or may not be worth watching this week. Your TV obsessives this week. Hello, I'm Luke, editor and runner of the website thecustardtv.com. That's in the windy northern area. That was like almost like an Alcoholics Anonymous introduction. Why? It was like a hello, I'm Luke and I'm an alcoholic, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> have, you got, have you got the wind problems in your area at the moment? I went out early because there was no rain, but it was quite strong winds and then it really started coming down at the moment. It seems settled. Is it Storm Chiara or something? C- I thought? Ciara. I've learned this this morning, it's the Irish spelling for Kira. To be Um, fair, I didn't ask Michael to speak yet, and he kind of ruined the rhythm. And also here... (laughs) Our our token uh, metrologist for the week. I think it's meteorologist. Yeah, whatever. Weatherman. It's it's occasional site contributor and all-round OK bloke, Michael Lee, how are you? I'm good, and I'd just like to declare myself an alcoholic. (laughs) <laughs> okay, this this is the right platform for that, so well done. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com Three shows this week. Apple TV has a new anthology called Little America. The BBC has a new Agatha Christie adaptation on Sunday nights. And Netflix has a new documentary about cheerleading called Cheer. Michael, when I first sent you the menu, as I like to call it, were you thinking I was bonkers for picking these three shows? They don't fit together particularly well, do they? Um, well, I, guess, I, guess part of it, I guess part of it is the time of year. There's not big shows as such is there out there well, at the moment, are, they're just not possible. shows that we like i mean death in paradise yeah. does big numbers silent witness does big numbers but they just yeah. they're I, just always on aren't they what are you watching at the moment michael i gave the stranger a try mm. and 
I agree with essentially what Lucas said about it. It's so heightened that the tone is all over the place. Mm. And, and a bit like Safe was a couple of years ago, whenever that was released. But obviously something about it works because I ended up watching it all. Even though I'm watching it going, this is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. It's like I said, it's that airport thriller novel, isn't it? You know, yes. it's, it's it's easy to sort of grasp the story, even though the characters make no sense. The story sort of draws you in. Yeah, it's easy to watch and you just go along with it and it gets bonkers and you just go, oh, all right, fair enough. And just but and the, then it ends. But the TV police over there isn't going to let you get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, evening all. <laughs> And then there was Deadwater Fell, which I really struggled with, and it was only four episodes. Oh, but I thought, yeah. because of the what a because disappointment of the cast that was. No, I haven't. I am going to try and catch up with it so I can have an opinion on it at some point. Yeah, what it, it, was just, it really it was fell like, flat at the end there, didn't it? Didn't you it think? did. The last episode, I was honestly shouting at the TV for something to happen. I was like, "What? Well, come on, something happened!" And it just yeah. fizzled out, fizzled out. So the, these are the three shows we've, we've ended up with: Cheer on Netflix, Little America, and The Pale Horse on the BBC. Uh, this uh, started on Sunday night and Matt is going to walk us through the basics of The Pale Horse if, if you wouldn't mind. I know, I've, no, I've noticed Michael was on last when we did another Agatha I, Christie. It's coincidental that you happen to be back in Podcastville I'm, when another I'm the uh... Agatha Christie expert who doesn't like yeah. Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Always well, good to have one of them on the back this... burner didn't have as much of a sort of Agatha Christie feel to it, I don't think. It wasn't people in a room saying you did no, it. No, it, you it know, had a bit more of a sort of... Any, anyway, you wanted the basic building block. If so you wouldn't got, mind, Matt, do what I ask. Rufus Saul in this, he plays Mark Easterbrook. We see him at the beginning of this. He's getting married to a character played by Georgine Campbell. Uh, she dies quite tragically. He doesn't take long to move on because a year later he's married again uh, to a character called Hermia, played by I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, well, that's why I it, want you to do the set. Highest Scolidario, ear off of skins. He's also managed somehow to fit in a mistress as well, showgirl I think, or a hostess. I imagine uh, his timetable's pretty tight though. Do we find out what he does? Well, he's just busy with all these ladies. He, he's a businessman. He's a man about <laughs> town. Yeah. And she dies early on while he's with her. We also see this older lady called Jessie who passes away uh, before she dies. She writes down a list of names, which includes... I should his... say, Matt didn't mean that she passes away before she dies. She passes away, but before she comma. dies... I've got a comma yeah. in there. <laughs> I didn't hear comma the comma. before she dies... <laughs> She writes a list of names. She's in a coma now, is she? That are are found in her shoe by a detective played by Sean Pertwee, who questions uh, Mark about this, and he doesn't know Jesse at all. There's also her employer played by um, Bertie Carville, who is in a lot at the moment. We saw him last week in Baghdad Central. And it was all linked to this town called Much Deeping, this little village with sort of Wicker Man vibes. There's a a trio of female characters who are believed to have an element of witchcraft about them. Mark and his wife go to this uh, bizarre sort of festival 
and they meet a mysterious character played by uh, James Fleet. And as the episode goes on, the people on uh, the list, Jesse's list, seem to be dying in quite quick succession, seemingly by natural causes. But is there something more sinister? Dot dot dot. Oh, I want to watch <laughs> this. Um, <laughs> so, Michael, you're not you're the resident Agatha Christie fan. Who doesn't like Agatha Christie? I apparently can't even say it that well. What did you think? Well, it's like I'm forced with Agatha Christie because every time I go to Torquay, they will bash you around the head with the fact that she was born there. Literally, literally every sign, every every road you go on, Agatha Christie was born here. The home of Agatha Christie. You go there quite a lot. Yeah, must go quite a lot for that to be the problem. It's because I love Agatha Christie so much. (laughs) Okay. I actually did like this because, as Matt says, it did have a different feel to it. It wasn't just a, you know, get a gathering everyone in a room. This is how I imagine yeah. Agatha Christie. Yeah. You know, you did it there and everyone sh- pulls a shocked face and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There was a real sense of place to it. Very early on, it, you were in that world. And with the sense of direction, cinematography was brilliant, I thought. And the, the slow, even though it was slow pace to it, it had enough intrigue throughout it to keep me going and and interested. Definitely. So will will you watch the second half then? How many episodes is there? Two. There's there's, there's only two. There's um, only yeah, two. no, I definitely I'll definitely watch the second one. Definitely. It's written by Sarah Phelps, who I have a soft spot for anyway because I think she's hilarious. Firstly, well, she um, is brilliant. Yes. And she's written an episode of one of my favourite TV shows, so it's I will, I will always have a bit of soft spot. I loved, and then there were none a few years ago, but some of her you, adaptations have been a bit not for me. I would agree with everything you're saying, apart from the talky thing, because I've not been there, so you could be <laughs> lying to me. I found it easy to watch. It was a quick hour, but of the Christie adaptations that Sarah Phelps has done... It's my least favourite, just because I found Rufus Hall, Rufus Saul, sorry, quite irritating. I didn't really like him as the focus and the lead. But he seemed very unstated. Mi- yes, the central mystery of why, of the connection between all these different people that seemed completely arbitrary and why they were all dying. I liked that as a theme. I've never liked in these mystery thrillers the witchcrafty elements and the Wicker Man stuff. It always feels a little bit overdone in these things and that was another thing I didn't like but because it's too and because Sarah has such a a way with with dialogue and is does very atmospheric pieces I'm absolutely on board for this I would put it sort of in the middle of the Christie adaptation she's done as as Michael said I think and then there were none was the that's the, the sort of the crowning achievement yeah. and um, Ordeal by Innocence I really liked as well. Yeah. I think where this differs is, you know, it doesn't have that Christy feel because it's not sort of every 20 minutes or so someone else will turn up murdered. The majority of the deaths are happening off screen. You see them in like the obituary column. One of my main issues with it was that the first 10 minutes, there was a lot of information to take mm. in all at once. It's, like, with information, yeah. it's it? like, oh, Georgina Campbell's dead. And now the Jesse's dead. Oh, and now his mistress is dead. 
And yeah. it was only when that first interaction between uh, Rufus Saul and um, Sean Pertwee, it slowed down to an extent. The Rufus Saul character, I quite liked. It reminded me of something like a character from a Hitchcock film, like um, North by Northwest. It put me in mind of Cary Grant's character in that. You know, this this man, who, you know, come into this world that he doesn't really understand. You know, we see a little bit of an interaction early on with the Georgina Campbell character going to uh, the, the little village to see these three women and we obviously get the payoff there it does feel a little bit rushed and i wonder if it was originally meant to be more than two episodes you know it feels like the sort of thing that they would put over a bank holiday weekend or something like that so i don't know if it was it was originally intended to be on maybe over christmas or something yeah yeah because i think ordeal by innocence was april bank holiday wasn't it i think it was on sort of easter time the others have all been on over christmas but no i like this I, i i think Rufus Saul, you know, he was the lead character, but I think it had a decent um, ensemble. I would have liked more of Sean Poe's twee. I think, you know, sort of putting the detective on the back burner was a good idea again, because mm. having a little sort of read around what the book was about in the book, it's a different detective. It's a female detective, apparently, who's linked to sort of the po- the Poirot world. I liked Bertie Carvel in this. If he was playing against type a little bit, you know, this sort of bookish shopkeeper type you know i didn't recognize him at first so i thought that was a good uh, a good role there one thing i would criticize i think was the music it was very leading your emotions almost wasn't it here's another sort of revelation let's play the shocking music or you know i i I Mm. felt it was a bit overpowering at times i'm obviously easily led (laughs) so you didn't pick up on that you are yeah no i I would I would agree with both of you that Sarah Felt is very good at adapting these stories for a TV audience and not making you sort of second guess everything, sort of just getting you to sort of go, come with me sort of thing on this journey, because it did take twists and turns. She says herself she's not a Christie fan, so maybe that's why us sort of non-Christie fans do find these more enjoyable than, say, we would if... If they'd done Miss Marple, I have no interest in at all. But these are always, they're always atmospheric, they're always gritty, they're always bloodthirsty, and I do look forward to them. It is worth your time. It's called, oh my God. Pale Horse. (laughs) (laughs) Which which is, in in the context of this, is the name of the pub, is it, in the little village? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe that's never happened to me before. The Pale Horse, Sunday at nine on BBC One. So yeah, actually, we've converted Michael back to Christie. You'll have to go back to Torquay and pay your respects now. I will. Uh, yeah. Do homage. Um, next up then, uh, six-part uh, uh, documentary. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. On Netflix that actually I'm looking now popped up on Boxing Day. And I sort of heard more people talking about it. It's a documentary called Cheer. It centers around a small town in Texas called Corsicana. And it focuses on the hard-driven coach, uh, Monica, who demands perfection from her team. 
who are men, women, they're all in college and they're all devoted to the cheer squad who have won countless awards and are the best at what they do and it follows them as they prepare for the next big championship and also getting the pyramid right which stressed the hell out of me. <laughs> so, what I like about TV the most is when a show can come on and completely immerse me in a world that I, up until that point, had no interest in at all. And that's what happened with Cheer. I thought this first episode was brilliant. I really, really did not expect to like it and fell completely under its spell. And the only reason I haven't ploughed on with the rest is that I didn't want to blur it in my mind when we talked about it. But as soon as I finish the podcast, episodes 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6 of Cheer will be watched by my eyes and seep into my brain. I just thought... The world was very interesting. I liked all the characters. I liked Monica. I liked the kids. I just thought, I, I can't believe it, but I'm really enjoying this. Michael, what about you? Well, when you when you said a documentary on cheerleading, my I heart know. sank. My heart and sank. Mine too. Oh. Mine too. Oh. Did you have to hide this away from you and the half, Michael? That you were... <laughs> it's, it's there on my watch on Netflix now. It's there. Oh, sorry, you've done it. Now. It's like, do you can't... want to tell me something? Yeah. <laughs> I liked the way it set up the world in the sense yeah. that it placed you at the university, it placed you in the area, like there was a, a teacher even saying to the students, this is a very conservative area. That sequence yeah. was great, talking about John, yeah, that... Donald Trump and guns. It's a junior college as well, isn't it, rather yeah. than a college college, so it's, it's less prestigious, and yeah. they're all sort of, you know, colourful and jumping around and things like that. And then this is a very sort of a old-school Texan town... And it's only known for its fruitcake factory, which I quite like. Which we got a little glimpse into as well. Which yeah. we thought that might be the spin-off. So you, you thought initially your heart sank, and then and then what? Yeah, I, on the first twenty or so minutes, I was engaged with it because it, it brings you up to date with the background of the sport. I yeah. I didn't know it was a, a competitive sport in that nature. Where have you been, Michael? Torquay. <laughs> <laughs> I just think as it went on, there wasn't enough interest from my side in the people doing it. I mean, it was interesting watching them, like you say, do the pyramids and stuff. And, the, and the almost physical, kill each other. The physicality and strength that goes into it is unbelievable. But I'm not sure I could watch that for six episodes. I'm not sure they showed me enough of... I'm, I'm sure, like every episode, they'll they'll go to you know other students' yeah. homes and then talk about that. And But I didn't feel enough of a grab towards them. You can to... be honest with us. If you think your girlfriend's listening and you want to be honest and just say no... Actually, it, I love it. Then just this is your platform. It kind of laboured as it went on, I, because I, I would agree with to that with um, to an extent, Michael. I think I I think it sort of front loaded. Um, I think I'm I'm sort of somewhere, as I say, between the two of you. I, I just that like with the documentary, you have to get a lot in to introduce yeah. these characters. So you had the girl who was the one who, you know, if she didn't have cheerleading, she would have fallen off off the grid you know gone onto the wrong tracks cheerleading saved her you've got the lad who you know everyone expected me to do football but i didn't want to be a football player i wanted to be a cheerleader you've got a lot of different characters which is always good for a documentary like this and as i say i like the sort of thing the, the theme they put in about the town and this being a very traditional place and all these different characters from different backgrounds going here to be part of this 
world renowned cheer team. Also, I like the the sort of the thing where it's they're doing this now, but this is going to be the end of it. You know, cheerleading. Yeah. There isn't, isn't a career it. on from this. This is it. No. You know, so it's sort of that. Oh, and it's all they, it's all building sorry. up to the the championship, isn't it? In Daytona, mm, that's yeah, essentially yeah. all it's building up to. Yeah. I I like the thing that they they you know they built it up as this junior college is the best in in the area and the best at this. But then they went round and they did speak to people who had no idea that this was the case. They yeah. they one of them said, "I've seen Bring It On once. That's about all I know about." And and the, and the scene where they actually went to a rally for the town. I, I, I think the direction of it was sometimes a bit off-putting. You know, they focused on the faces of the townspeople more than they did this sort of really impressive routine. And I, I mean, would say to you, Luke, yeah. as someone who went to high school in America, was this something yeah. you were aware of more? Were you, were you the base of the pyramid? <laughs> I, w- I would always have to be the base for health, health and safety reasons. <laughs> But yeah, I uh, I was aware of it, but not to not to this degree. Not throwing each other up in the air and, it, what, it and was landing on four other people. It was the more dancey aspect, like they say about yeah. sort of the, um, it's the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. They talk yeah. about, isn't it, where they're more dancers than they are acrobats. Basically, the, these kids are, aren't they? You say about the difference between the crowd shots and and perhaps it was a bit too focused on the crowd shots. But like it was funny, they were putting themselves through this demanding physical thing and then they cut to some member of the crowd who's just staring at them just blankly yeah, like what blankly. <laughs> but I also I also there's bits of it that really made me laugh so I love the bit where they're doing this like you say for the town which is quite a normal routine but the guy who introduces Monica is like he's bringing Elvis on the stage or something yeah. it's really really energetic and over the top and I, I really like some of the girls as well and then at the end when they were just sort of falling like dominoes and really damaging themselves there was this doctor almost knocking going, each other out they were like, there was this doctor they've got this doctor who goes can you move your head can you move your neck Right, then just sit out for the rest of the day. There was no the, other medical. Saturday Night Live have done a spoof of it. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I think no. Adam Driver's on it. And it's it's one of those where, can you still walk? And all these people, you know, they've all got yeah. like gaping wounds and things like this. It's like, yeah. have you put anything on it? Yes, prayer. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I, I was surprised by how much this got under my skin. And I will watch the rest. Um, Michael won't uh, because he's lying to himself. But, um, Matt, do you have time to finish this or inclination, um, I guess? I, yeah, I, I wouldn't prioritise it. You know, haven't prioritised any TV this yeah, year. But I've yeah, but it's, 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 it'll be low on my list. You know, it's got those characters you want to root for, I think, and I think yeah. that's... And I imagine as we, as we get to know them a bit more, we'll want to root for them even more, so it should work. But I'll, I'll report back for those who are... Interested. Cheer is on Netflix now, uh, six episodes, which is relatively short for a Netflix documentary, but as Matt and Michael say, the episodes are about an hour or just under. Good show! The best and the worst on the box. People arrange their lives so they wouldn't miss their favourite programme. It's the Custard TV Podcast. So it's time for the Rewind. I'm not going to do it this time. <laughs> just just for those who don't know, we've already started to record this. Matt did a great rewind and now he won't do it. Rewinds. Let me play this backwards. Now. 
So I've noticed with these episode titles as well. I know, you said um, this before. Be professional, Luke. <laughs> it's hard. I know it's hard. I know, it's very hard. But you know, and we've only been going about nine years at this point, so you, you'd think you'd be knowing what you were doing for, yeah. by now. But like almost every other one has a rhyming title so for example this one uh, episode 5 is called tests and breasts so like freaks and geeks obviously the rhyming thing and i i feel like maybe they wanted to do it for everyone but then some yeah. didn't fit or they couldn't think of of one for everyone and um, why the next one's called i'm with the band <laughs> yes <laughs> but then i think the one i think the one after that has got a rhyming title oh don't spoil it we shall see i liked also what i've realized doing this rewind I'm not a performing monkey. <laughs> is that um I always think of it as the geeks story, but watching this, it's really mm. more Lindsay's story, isn't it? Mm. The, the the series arc Certainly is really her. These episodes, yeah. Eps five and six are similar stories for Sam, Neil and, and Bill. Whereas mm. the Lindsay story is sort of you know, you get her with a different character in both episodes, if that makes trying to sort of tie these two together. In this episode, uh, the tests part of the uh, of the title is that James Franco's character Daniel has got a um, algebra test, I believe, yeah. and if he fails this test, then he has to repeat the year and and has to re retake retake school. I was going to say. I don't know if the, I don't know, and I I obviously passed all my tests. But I don't know if this is a TV thing or if it actually happens. Because mm. it would be well, a re- pain, wouldn't it? You've seen it in a lot of things, but it would be yeah. a pain. Yeah, I remember that there was the episode of Saved by the Bell that Zach wouldn't graduate unless they all took a dance class together or something. Seems plausible. <laughs> <laughs> it's something to do with you need a certain amount of credits it to is. graduate. I can something. give you a bit of a background. So I okay, did, go for it. You need, I think you need 200, and cre- 200 credits to graduate high school, and I went to high school in 99 so i would have been 16 i think and yeah. they just yeah, yeah they just we're the same they, age. they just didn't take anything of what i'd learned in england to account so i had to make up 200 which you'd normally start at 13 all the way up to when i was 16 and so you I managed just, it i managed it but i didn't go wow. until i was like 18 That's and a half a, there, there's a film why, why haven't why haven't you sold your, your life story yet? Yeah, I don't think it would. Be, it's not. I didn't think it was a great achievement, but there you go. And obviously, Lindsay's still got this. It's sort of a slight infatuation. Maybe it's waned a little bit now. She spent some time. With it. I think she finds him interesting mm-hmm. rather than anything else. Yeah, because like she's a difficult uh, and character I do, to pin down. Yeah, and I do like the continuity here that she and Kim aren't as combative as they were. Now they've had that episode together. You know, this which wouldn't have made any sense watching it in the US at the time, would it? Because they didn't see that episode. (laughs) Hang on, why has she stopped bullying her? Yeah, why are they friends now? But for us, hindsight is a wonderful thing. So she initially says that she will tutor him. His attention span is, is zero. He then steals the test. She initially wants to do things above board and goes to the teacher to say, can he have an extension? The teacher is very dismissive towards her. So she agrees to help him cheat. And then the aftermath of this is the suspicion that he did cheat and and Lindsay's feeling guilty and wondering if she should stick with Daniel after sort of learning some other things about him. And then the the breast side of this is the sort of sex ed class that the um, 
the geeks are taking Sam feeling quite inadequate about his development. The coach, played by the guy who played Biff Tannen in uh, in Back to the Future, who who actually again has quite prominent roles in both of these episodes. And he's quite actually quite supportive towards uh, Sam. He's the one who actually um, gives him the facts sort of thing away from the classroom, something you wouldn't get away with in in 2020. And that has Uh, to be... It's it's a musical sequence where you just see Sam's face change. So I I like that sequence. And the the thing that ties it in is that three of them overhear this joke and and you just hear the punchline... So the guy says, "How do you think I rang the doorbell?" And them not knowing what what the what it what means. The, what the joke means. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh yeah. I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much. Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. And just keep seeing them say the punchline to other people. Including the parents. parents, yeah which is amazing and then at the end you hear the the start of the joke is so there's this guy with no arms and no legs and the bit that sort of intersects the freaks and geeks is daniel is smoking at the weir house and sam is out there trying to get to grips with anatomy and daniel gives him a a porn film on a uh what do you call it like a reel a projector projector film and my question to you here really is why nbc didn't like last week's episode but were fine with three teenage know. boys watching a pornography I don't know. and actually you saw sort of bits of the porn as well i don't know to answer your question i have no idea because last week's was heavy going and bleak mm-hmm. but this one was more sort of on the nose and risque so i don't really they know had what the, the but then you get things like you know like the kid from the wrong side of the tracks you get that in episodes of like blossom and and yeah, clarissa explains it really. all and things like that you didn't waste your childhood no but, oh, I, I don't i don't know no it's, it's just good. a bit strange and i know that like friends would often have sort of subplots about mainly chandler watching porn well, there was the um, episode with the free porn channel. With the free wasn't porn, there? Yeah. yeah. But again, it was all sort of double entendre, whereas this is very much. And actually, mm. I want to really praise here John Francis Daly for his, his facial expressions his alone. Facial expressions, uh, and and just after watching the porn, it's Cindy, isn't it, the cheerleader who he's got a bit of a crush on, comes up to him and and says, "Do you want to sort of help out at this um, rally?" He's just sort of got this dazed expression on his face, which is brilliant. And I I just wonder why we didn't see a lot of him after this, really, because he's the one to me that. And he I know I think screenwriting. Yeah, and I think he was in Bones for years as well, which isn't a show that either of us watched. The only thing I ever saw him in after was 
a film called Waiting. I don't know if you've ever seen that no. with uh, Ryan Reynolds, Justin Long, Anna Faris is in it as well. And it's I about know the one you mean. Yeah, it's sort of like a um, chain restaurant, and he's the new recruit. And and the sort of the gag in it is that he doesn't say anything; just sort of has a massive monologue at the end of the film but does so he has to rely and I, I think that is because he just relies on his facial expressions he's very good what did you think of the because this is the first time daniel's been more than mm. just a sidekick with a couple of lines what did you yeah because he's sort of like James the enigmatic Duncan. thing isn't he you know he knows how to manipulate people a little bit yeah. and i think the first episode definitely Lindsay sort of a bit not infatuated but you know, wants to be part of this group and sees them as exciting. But I think these two episodes, you're sort of seeing her, seeing them as, you know, they're just they're a sort true of, selves. Yeah, they're true like selves. Them. They're a bit of a letdown. You know, they're dropouts, wasters. You have to keep giving them positive reinforcement and things like that. And in this episode where Daniel delivers that line about being told he was stupid at 10 years old or whatever it was, and hearing that story and then hearing him tell it again to the teachers and her just like, you know, this is all a fraud. They're all sort of con artists in a way. You know, they're no cooler than I am, really. You yeah. know, they're just well, putting on a front. What I like about it is you could argue that we've seen both of these stories done before, but it always has a little twist and a turn that makes it its own little thing. And I, I think that's very cleverly done. And I and think the parents go into Lindsay's defence at the end was brilliant. I had to close the store. Do you know, Do you know how, how much, much money, money I'm losing? I'm losing? <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate in terms of the storytelling here that they gave a logical explanation why Sam and Daniel were in the same place at the same time. Yes. In terms of that, then giving them the porno and things like that. And I always uh, like it when Sam interacts with her friends as well because mm-hmm. he's he's nervous, but he also is happy to open up to them yeah. with his struggles. Like we had in the past in the party yeah. scenes as well. But no, I I liked this episode. I think it worked well. I think the two sort of stories interacted and and is allowing sort of James Franco to have a little bit more of a moment, isn't it? We could go into episode six, which is, is as you said, called "I'm with the Band." This one mainly uh, focuses on. On Nick, which is Jason Segal's character, you get a bit more background on him and his home life. It's similar to the Kim Kelly one in a way, I think, isn't it? Yes. Where so his, his dad's in the army and wants Nick to follow his footsteps and sort yeah. of get his head out you, of the clouds. You get the impression his brothers as well are in the army. He yes. mentions his brothers as well. Didn't um, his character in How I Met Your Mother have a load of brothers? as well yes that made me think yeah that. Oh, I wonder if yeah it's the same he's the same it's person. very it's a very similar character isn't it yeah very similar he, you know he does have a certain type of character that he plays i can't think of anything where he's not been this sort of sort of lovable loser type lovable loser's childlike enthusiasm i mm. mean it was hard to buy him as a lawyer in in how i made mother if yes. i'm honest and then a and then a um a judge so Nick's got this quite strict father who he doesn't believe in his dreams of becoming a drummer. You know, he's got this massive drum kit that we've seen previously. Uh, we learn, said lights. Yeah. And the big, everything to go with it. You know, it's the 70s going into 1980. So you've got all these big sort of stadium bands and him sort of idolising John Bonham from Led Zeppelin who sort of passed away in a, in a prior episode. And you learn here that... 
Daniel and Ken and Nick and another chap who I don't know if we see him again. We, we haven't, haven't seen, seen him, him no. are in a band together. Nick's got more enthusiasm for it than the rest of them. He sees they're them not... as competing in things and they're just there for the rock and roll. Side they're there for the sort of camaraderie, aren't they? And yeah. just having something to do. And Lindsay overhears this conversation about him maintaining a C plus average or have to join the army and feels for him, wants to help him, encourage him to do better and forces the band to play more and get better, but they see it as as more of a chore and then she convinces him to try out for another band in the local area. Brilliant, brilliant scene. The audition scene with the professional band. I just really thought that scene was expertly done by everyone involved. It was one of those freaks and geeks tender moments where he's failing, he knows he's failing, but everyone around him is trying to G him up and say, yeah, yeah, it was good, thank you. But there's this feeling of you haven't succeeded and deep down you know that your dream that you've been thinking about and getting you through life to this point is probably not going to happen. And I thought it was just expertly done. And it, again, again with Freaks and Geeks, it's all in the facial expressions. So Lindsay looks over at another girl who's there at the audition and sort of smiles and this girl looks at her going he's not doing very well and it's sort of all implied and he's so desperate to please as well i really thought it was so expertly done and so Lindsay, to cheer him up kisses him and he feels like this is the start of something kim then calls her a slut i suppose this (laughs) is a sort of look at either women are prissy and reserved and goody-goody or there's yeah. lots and there's nothing yeah. in between and that sort of but a look at the sexual politics closer in kim's eyes She's yeah like, you're one of me you're one of us now and that's, yeah that's another funny well thing. she grabs her doesn't we don't see what they say in the toilets to each other the story with the geeks is very much this you know it's about body image it's about puberty this yeah. is them at gym class being forced to take showers sam very much not wanting to because he's sort of concerned that he's not developing as fast as everyone else. He dips out of it as much as he can. You know, Neil and Bill find themselves sort of the target of being whipped with wet towels. Neil's very proud of his chest hair. And it ends with him finally... And and again, there's that great set-to-music sequence, almost like a Western. Him finally deciding to go into the shower, and then the bully, whose name we always forget... Why can't we remember this bloke's name? I want to say Howard, but it's not Howard. No, don't say Howard if it's not Howard. Oh, it's God, Alan, 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 Alan. I think you're Just ready for it, Alan. Just keep repeating it, Alan. <laughs> he um, chucks Sam out of the locker room and removes his towel. So he's basically naked in front of the whole school. The sort of the change of the narrative is that everyone thought he was streaking, so now he's sort of the hero of the piece. Yeah. Again, there are some... I mean, these are very much the... And I think we've had more than often that the geek stuff has been the, the subplots, and, and again, yeah. here it is. And I don't... Do you remember it that way? I mean, I don't remember some of these episodes as much as obviously you do. You've seen them more recently. I, I remember them sort of being equal. And maybe there are is equal amount of screen time, you know, but certainly in terms of the prominence of the story. And impact as well. I, I think it's when you're that age, you are worried about these things. And when you're a little yeah. bit older, you're worried. That, you know, it's worries about the future in both of these episodes. It's worries about your dreams aren't going to pan out in the way you thought whereas these three characters are just starting high school so it is all about 
body image puberty things like that it's it's odd that these two episodes maybe you know come face to face but there's that uh, you, you know you mentioned tender scenes there's that tender scene where the three of them are sitting with their ice creams watch it and that's the one where they're watching the jocks with the cheerleaders on the backs and and bill's got that push pop that doesn't push all the way up and, i love that scene and, and he's it's saying, hard, you know, this push pop's too hard to push up it's just those little things that he we'll, says that make me laugh for some reason yeah i can see it being funny if we weren't the ones being slapped with the towels oh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that line where you know sam says will, will girls ever like us and then again there's that great bit with the family meal where the mum's saying you've got a great body yeah. and Lindsay's yeah, being very sarcastic. Sister, <laughs> oh my god! They are really easy to watch. These, you know, I'm they not. Are. I always I... leave them till till the end. <laughs> the, the last thing I do because I know I'm going to breeze through them. It's mind-boggling how this didn't make a second scene. Oh, and I just wanted to mention as well, in the fifth episode, there's a small scene when Daniel's uh, stealing the test, where there's a girl yeah. that that Nick is speaking to, who's played by Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie, who is... a young Lizzie Kaplan. Who yeah. is he? He was one of the main characters in Undeclared, uh, Judd Apatow's follow up to this, and actually plays the ex girlfriend of Jason Segal's character. So there you go. Confusing. Freaks and Geeks, <laughs> next time then, episode seven and eight. That's been the rewind. This is the Custard TV podcast. And finally, an Apple Plus original, Little America, is a brand new anthology based upon uh, the real-life stories of immigrants coming to America and setting up life there and their experiences. Now, when I read about this, it had a couple of things going for it and a couple of things that worried me. Uh, who's the creator? Oh, you should have looked this up ahead of time. Really. I know. Hang on. I know his. Kunar. I know his wife is Emily V. Gordon. They're the two people yes. who did the big sick, aren't they? Yeah, and I just don't want to get his name wrong. It's Kumail Nanjani and yes. Emily V. Gordon, and then yeah. there's a third gentleman as well. But they're the two Oscar-nominated screenwriters so, of the big sick. So I like the big sick, and I like them as a pairing, and so that had it going for for it. But I was worried that this might be. One of those shows that I used to see a lot. I seem to be talking about living in America so much on this one, I apologise. But I worried about this being another one where they sort of sing the praises of how wonderful America is and nothing gets under my skin more than that. And actually it wasn't that, or at least these first two episodes weren't that. It was a very sweet show that I found a pleasure to watch. Uh, Michael, would you mind setting these up as you saw them fairly recently the first one is about a boy called kabir his parents run a hotel and they come into some issues with um staying in the country yeah and visa so they have to leave and what's essentially we think is going to be like a month or two they are essentially away years and years and through this time kabir who's precocious as they say in the, in the show basically starts running the hotel as a young kids and then just makes his way and as as manager of the hotel. Yeah, um, whilst trying to find a way of helping his parents in yeah, their that. predicament as well uh, by yeah. entering spelling bees and meeting Laura Bush and all that sort of thing uh, to try and speak to her face-to-face and, and get his parents back home. These are just half an hour as well at a time. We talked about Cheer being maybe a little overlong. These are tight half-hour stories. So what's the second one? 
The second one is, and I've forgotten the name of the main character, so it's like Gary's on the show. Mar- all over. Marisol. Marisol. Thank you. I know they chanted it enough times. I should know. She's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, she's essentially cle- doing cleaning job with her mum, but she finds focus. She ends up going to play some squash at yeah. um, a local club, and she's taken under the wing from the trainer, and it kind of basically turns her life round from yeah. being a bit of an upstart, her life going nowhere. She's essentially spoiler they're illegal immigrants aren't they so she hasn't she doesn't feel like she's got a future because she hasn't got a social security number she can't get a passport passport. so she's got this sort of listless nature about her and doesn't it's sort of very anti-authority so this is why you describe the shows matt (laughs) um michael had you heard of this before i put it on the on the list i I hadn't to be honest no i hadn't and i didn't know what to expect and i think going into it the fact I had no idea what, what, what to expect is what made it surprising. Mm. I just thought these were both, the two I've seen, really gen- gently paced, nuanced stories. Mm. They're interesting, amusing. The biggest thing about them is they were human. Yes. Because like, yes. if I'm talking about Dead Waterfell and The Strangers I Was earlier, it, we have it's, a place for high Those are soulless, aren't they? The soul yeah, there's a place for it. But I watched the whole series of Stranger and when the credits rolled at the end, I was a bit like, oh. Okay. Even though, in a sense, not much happens, a lot does happen. It's, it's, it's a strange thing. A lot does happen in terms of half an hour because mm. they come from struggling and to achieving something at the end. It's, it's told so well and in such a interesting way that you just come out of it and think, and it's it, it, almost a feel-good sense to it as well. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and the they're inspired they show by you the real events, people. aren't they, as well? The fact that they show you the real people... At the end, it's a, it's it's another way of hitting you in the mm. stomach and going, wow, look at you know, and the, the, the the people that they've cast look so much like the people. I mean, yes. Marisol could have been the Marisol in that picture. I mm. thought they cast her brilliantly. I have to agree. I was, as I say, not sceptical, but a little bit worried it might be. Look, America's your savior, and and I can't speak for the rest of the series, but I just thought these two were so lovely. And lovely is yeah. not a term I I use a lot, <laughs> but they really were. I oh, I felt I felt instantly connected to Kabir. I felt instantly connected to Marisol. And once you have me there, I will go on the journey with them, whatever happens. And I just and thought for half an hour, it really hit me. In its own way, it's just really unexpected as well because I, I went into each episode not knowing what any of them were about. It didn't matter no, because within the first couple of minutes, you go right. I'm here. And you go along with it. And I was surprised that from one scene, Kabir is a child. And then the next scene, he's like a 19, 20, 21 year old. Yeah, but and... it doesn't feel jarring, does no, it? No, I think it he was meant to be, a, was he meant to be like a high schooler in the last yeah. one, wasn't he? I think Maybe, he was... yeah. For me, I preferred the, the Jaguar episodes to the, the first one, which is called The Manager. I think I would have liked to have been a bit longer. It felt a little bit rushed. I would have. I, I. I enjoyed being in that world, as Luke always says, and I loved her relationship with the Donald T's character, the the coach. Mm. There was a lot to unpick there in terms of the themes. You know, at one point she encounters at her party the woman who employs her mother, and I it's love very that awkward. scene. It's very awkward, and I just felt you know this could almost be like a film, couldn't it? You know, like this inspirational yeah. tale of this sort of listless teenager who finds a love of something that is almost like an upper-class pursuit, and she goes there purely to get a free pair of shoes. 
is the impetus for her and her friend turning up. I think casting primarily unknowns, you know, John Ortiz is a is an actor I recognise, but primarily unknown actors to play the younger characters whose stories these are based on. I, I had heard of this before. I think it was my suggestion, wasn't it? They'd actually advertised this at the cinema quite a bit. So I thought it may be worth discussing. And I, I, I agree with you, you know, these depictions of these minorities in America and it not always being ideal for them. Another part of this, the Marisol episode as well, is her brother who works as a day labourer and you see him waiting to be picked for jobs picked and up. things. I just felt there was so much that they could go into in this episode. I, yeah. I really liked it as a piece of half an hour TV and maybe if it had been longer, I would have lost interest in it. But I just, I, you know, I was left wanting more, which possibly is a good thing. But yeah. do you know what I mean? It's sort of, I know what uh, you mean. I liked these characters so much. I just think it proves it's like if, there's, if the stories are good and they're told well, you don't need the grand and the epic and the over the top. You, no, you know, you, you can you can do it. You can you can just do it at a very steady pace with good acting, good scripts. It comes from a good place it, and of the, of the heart. I know that sounds soppy or whatever, but well, no, it does. True. It comes from a very natural true. place. And also, it proves maybe like cheer in a way. Like I said, is that if the story is compelling, I have no no idea about squash. I have no desire no. to. Watch somebody play squash. But I really cared about this character and the world she was in and about her achieving something and about her winning the match. And I got really hot under the collar when she was getting mouthy and may lose and everything or be disqualified. And before that, I had no interest in squash or anything like that. So it's proved so this that week you've learned about cheerleading and squash. It's the most sporting week I've ever had in my life. It's been quite a positive uh, podcast. I know, we? that might be the most positive one we've done for a long, long time. And I know I'm always the one that's negative. But all three of these shows, I would say Little America is absolutely joyous. And I, I'm, it's one of those things where I'm nervous to watch more in case they're not as good. But I Yeah, but because it's an more. anthology series, in the same sense, like, you know, and I know Inside Number 9 is a totally different tone or whatever, but... You can have a couple of episodes of Inside Number Nine series that I'm a bit mm about, but it yeah. doesn't matter because when they're good, they're really good. And yeah, I think because this is going to cover different vast tales of immigrants yeah. and their experiences, I think there's some that connect with you more than other. I think it's more about whether it connects with you personally. Will you try and keep up with these, Michael, or did you uh, just enjoy the no, taste I will definitely, of these? I will definitely follow up the rest it, of the series. Definitely. It'll be interesting. I don't think Apple TV have promoted themselves very much in this country. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only show I've I've seen sort of promoted. You know, obviously, the morning show was something that they trailers quite heavily. But apart from that, I couldn't tell you anything else that was on Apple TV. Would you agree no, with that? No, I would though? agree. But I yeah. listen to a lot of TV podcasts, yeah. so I sort of okay. get confused. My, but yeah, Michael, no, I would agree as a, as a that normal you, person, that you have... Michael, would you, no, would you agree I'm not with a normal that? person. I'm not a normal person. I listen to a lot of TV podcasts, oh, okay. too. Okay. As, yeah. as, as okay. As me. Well, I think in the general in the, in the general public, I think you're right. I don't yeah. think it would register. You don't hear people talking about it in the same way that they, you know, everyone at work talks about Netflix and what they're watching on Netflix. You know, no. Amazon Prime's the same, but I suppose a lot of people do use Amazon. I think a lot of people probably have got access to Amazon Prime, but just don't you don't watch the shows on it. But there's certainly, you know, Apple. It seems to have been sort of a almost like a failure you know it hasn't had that big impact and i think 
you know, Disney Plus launching soon in, in the UK as well, you know, is going to get eclipsed even more. So I think the problem with Apple Plus, as far as I understand it, they are literally just starting out with a few shows. There's no back catalogue or anything, is there? Like Netflix has, they like, you know, when they, thought, they probably have loads shows, of films yeah. and loads of TV series yeah. from BBC, Channel 4 or whatever. And, and Apple at the moment, it, as far as I understand it, is just probably 5, 10, 15 shows. So that's mm-hmm. that's quite difficult for people to go, well, I'm going to spend £6 a month. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you don't I know agree. what the shows are. Or you, Almost or... feels like they rushed into it. But we've got to go back to how good this is. And if, yeah. if you were going to try uh, Apple TV+, Plus, perhaps for the morning show, or you just wanted something different to try, I, can't, I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the series, but these two episodes we watched for the podcast were so good. I really enjoyed them. And it could have been a slog. It could have been sugary sweet rather than heartfelt. But these were tonally perfect. Uh, the balance was spot on, I think. Yeah, and I'm going to watch more of Little America. Uh, Michael, is so, there a show in 2020 that you are looking oh. forward to seeing? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, we're all intrigued by Line of Duty and things like that. But is there a, an upcoming one that you've heard about that you're like, oh, I hope that's good because it's got so-and-so in or it's written by this person is there anything you mentioned this over christmas and i replied to one of your you tweets reply to your, you mentioned a welsh program i remember that oh, oh bang. bang there you go that is spot on bang i think which is coming back in like two or three weeks is an s4c drama that was first about about 2017 and they the second series is coming and i'm really looking forward to that so like a intense crime drama sometimes they speak to each other in welsh and sometimes in english and it's really good. It's, re- it's beautifully directed and beautifully told, and I'm really looking forward. To- I have no idea where they're going to go for the second series because of the way the first one ended. But yeah, there you go. Thank you, Matt. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. You can tell Bang. who reads all the tweets and who just shows yeah. up. And I know. like the the fact that the podcast ended up with a bang low. I really like that. It doesn't <laughs> happen very often, so I'm pleased no. about that. Where can people find you if they want you? Um, I'm on Twitter, Yekim Mikey. So Yekim underscore Mikey. Yekim's basically Mikey backwards. Oh. oh, it's worth having you on um, just for that. I do a blog, um, which basically I write about TV and music on, which is called Digital Observations. Uh, Matt's at Matt's TV Bytes. The podcast feed, if you want to get involved, talk to us on that at Custard TV Pod, or you can email CustardTVReviews at gmail.com. Love to have some feedback from you there or to review us on any of the podcast apps you use. We won't be back next week. We're taking a week off to just relax. And it's half term, yeah. We've got to go have a load of sweets and be sick and Open things. Towers. Yeah. <laughs> going to use my season ticket. <laughs> I might go up to Torquay now that um, I, Michael's I tell you what, out. you will come away an Agatha Christie fan. I'm telling you. <laughs> Where was she born? Is she born in a house or a hospital or? She she. Okay, we're going to get into really boring details now. She has a house that is just outside Torbay, um, uh, which is I think National Trust now, which you can visit. So there's a recommendation. I can't I can't tell you where exactly she was born. I'm not I'm not partial to that information. Okay, well I didn't know they kept that sort of information. hidden but i suppose you know in there as well uh, so we'll be back in two weeks to talk more tv thank you and goodbye see ya bye <laughs>
Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.